Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. I hope you're doing great from wherever you're listening, studying, downloading. Uh, I hope that your Christmas is about to come full, full term and that you're enjoying it and that you'll enjoy the reason for the season. And that's why we continue to teach the Word of God. Today, we're going to speak to you on two speakers that must be heard. I think you'll enjoy it. These two speakers are critical for your spiritual development. They're critical that you understand uh, their speaking in the spiritual process that God has laid out for man to be able to use, access all the benefits that have been given to us by Jesus Christ. So I want to welcome you from around the world that are joining us and downloading with us and from the United States of America. We appreciate you. We look forward to your contacting us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Don't forget my book, it's on Amazon or in your local bookstore. It's entitled, I Surrender. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into today's teaching. Father, we thank you for the word. We pray that you'll open our eyes that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then you'll allow us to apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak. Show us in the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. We'll surrender, yield, and sanctify ourselves to hearing it. Then we'll receive it and release it to your people. And as we do, we'll be blessed, changed, corrected and made to know greater truth. We ask it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Today we're going to look at two speakers from the spiritual realm. One speaker is the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and the other speaker is Jesus Christ himself. They both speak from the spiritual world, and when heard have extensive, complete impact upon the natural world. Without the speaking of the blood, nothing is accomplished in the spiritual relationship between God and man. Without the speaking of the blood, grace has nothing from which to be activated. Without the speaking of the blood, faith has nothing upon which to be appropriated. Without Jesus speaking, through the Holy Spirit, the believer is left operating without divine revelation. The glory of God remains hidden to them, and their, and their natural world seems to remain under natural dominion. But, if he speaks, all the fallen gifts that man possesses for his ability to navigate, be at peace, prosper, and engage the world from the perspective of the godly and from the perspective of God are reproduced in the believer. What a wonderful position from which to live. 
This, my friends, is eternity, interacting and engaging with man from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. Now remember that the blood of Abel cried from the ground in Genesis chapter 4. God heard that cry and dealt with Cain accordingly. Notice, however, that Abel's blood cried, but Jesus' blood speaks. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24 through 28, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Jesus' blood speaks. Someone said, how does it do so? Well, we know that it speaks in at least six different ways that are in coordination with the acts of Jesus. These ways are in co- in, also in coordination with salvation. They begin with the cross and flow to the tomb, then to the region of the damned, then into the tabernacle and into the throne room where he's pronounced Lord, and concludes with him being the man in the Godhead bodily. We know that it speaks by the way that it activates grace. Grace can be obtained in any area from which the blood speaks. The blood activates grace, and you can find grace in the actions of Jesus to solve each and every need that's presented by any person who is seeking for grace to be extended. There's nothing hidden in the economy of God when we come through the blood. Grace is made available, my friend, by the blood. So since the blood speaks, we can put our finger on why what is spoken from the blood of Jesus is better than the blood of Abel, knowing that Abel's blood cried. Abel's blood was caused by a murder due to the rebellion of his brother. Abel was not to be a sacrifice. He was a man of whom Cain should have treasured because he was his brother, but greater because he saw that Abel's worship was accepted by God. So Abel was a man who worshiped correctly and whom God looked at as acceptable. But Abel had in him the same fallen spirit that had been accepted by his mother and father. The difference was that Abel had paid attention to how his mother and father worshiped. So when he sacrificed, he did so by the shedding of blood. In Matthew 23, 35, Jesus declared Abel to be righteous, but his blood was not equal to the blood of Jesus. His righteous blood was a declared righteousness, but it was not shed due to being a sacrifice. It was shed due to the sin of rebellion and the acts that depravity caused. Abel's blood, now fallen to the ground in God's eyes, represented every person who had learned the way of blood sacrifice prior to the fulfilling of the prophecy given concerning Jesus in Genesis 3. Abel cried out of his desire to live under the light of the blood covering. His sacrifice was in respect to that covering. We identify that because of Jesus declaring him righteous in Matthew 23. So when Cain killed Abel, 
Cain had killed a man who worshipped correctly, fathered the God for whom his name was given. Abel, the El, and his name was a representation of God. The blood cried because of the reason for which it was shed. Sin. The heart of sin. It encumbered Cain as it did all men. There was no means to stop the rebellion of those who operated in the nature of Cain, so Abel's blood cried out for a remedy. The great news concerning this story is that God was watching and well aware of what had happened. He heard the cry of one who was worshiping in an acceptable way. And of course, the remedy was on its way. As for Cain... He and his lineage lasted seven generations and died in the flood of Noah's day that destroyed the earth. So they received the recompense that was equal to what their forefather had done to Abel. So why is the blood of Jesus better? Because it speaks into existence the remedy. The blood opens the door for means to experience grace. Abel's blood cried because it was blood shed from a completely different cause. His was shed from the depravity or because of the depravity of sin. Therefore, he cries. God hears this. We provided scripture that God has seen and heard the cry of depravity and bondage from the foundation of the world from Hebrews 9.26. Jesus' blood was shed from the victory over the sin that causes man to act in the ways that show poverty, brokenness, bruising, blindness, the bondage of such depth of depravity. Each of his actions testifies to this account. It is better because of what it accomplished at each benchmark on the way back to him being seated at the right hand of majesty. So the better things that are produced by the blood The better things that are spoken of by the blood are not difficult to discern. The better thing that occurs due to the blood is not hard to ascertain or understand. What Jesus did released the avalanche of spiritual blessings. He spoke to each of these and the Holy Spirit achieved them in the believer. The blood is the activator of all of the spiritual deeds that have been provided and produced by Jesus. From this blood, a way has been made for mankind to come into spiritual communion with God. The blood is the catalyst of all spiritual encounters. As it is identified and walked through by the believer, the second gift of Jesus Christ is exposed, grace. That grace was in him and in abundance. And it's released into the situations of which the believer is in need of the balm of grace. It saves, it heals, it brings peace, it is the genesis of joy, it produces the glory of God in and for the believer. Please know this, if you receive one spiritual act by grace, then you receive all spiritual acts by grace. So whatever you may plug into the receptacle of grace concerning your needs that may be occurring in your life, the release of grace by the blood 
is the very means by which your needs will be met. This is always the process that is used and it's required for the believer to accomplish any and all spiritual growth. Someone said, we thought we needed faith. What do you do? But faith must be operated efficiently and effectively. Faith is not a random act that one determines when and why and upon what they will operate their faith. Now look at your life. Has this random faith really worked for you? Consider the things that you have prayed and said that you've had faith to believe. You prayed. You said you asked in faith, but more often than not, the prayer went unanswered. Why? Because faith is not random. Faith is not selfish. Faith does not seek to produce things that can become a detriment to your own spiritual walk. We often pray for money, mates, houses, lands, cars, jobs, things that are enacted by our lusts. These are the things that in the long run can become extremely detrimental to our relationship to our Lord. But I want to remind you, you ask in faith. Now someone will inevitably say the will of God is the reason why we didn't get what we believe for. Now if you lean that direction in sickness that you struggle through, which we know is a part of the curse, must become the will of God. Poverty, which we struggle through, must be the will of God. Marrying a bad mate must be the will of God. We can go on and on with all these uh, types of scenarios. These often become excuses concerning the will of God and it generally is something that is said for one of two reasons. One, we want to save the face of faith. Two, we want to make a statement that describes our protection of the fact that our faith was not enough. So we say it just wasn't the will of God. In fact, here are the answers to faith that we have never ever been told. Faith has to have something to attach itself to. The blood is that something. Faith has to come into agreement with what grace is doing for faith to reap the benefit of what, 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 for which it was gift, gifted. Faith has to come into agreement with what grace is doing for faith to reap the benefit for which it was gifted. Faith then has to take the grace that is applied and appropriate it to the situation that exists. Do you identify any random, random acts that are associated with faith in this explanation? Now realize this. Faith when used in coordination with the blood will not seek random things that are consumed by the lustful side of man. Man's human side will be overthrown by the blood and therefore the expression of faith has with it a purity. Faith has as its substance the blood. 
The blood is revealing the things that have been completed for your benefit by Jesus Christ. As they're revealed, faith locates its spiritual accommodations that are prepared for those who love God and are the call according to His purpose. Faith finds its evidence in grace. As grace is revealed, the answers that serve to favor, influence, show us the way God does things or produce for us the open window of judgment where all of the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. We can now appropriate the specifics by releasing our faith. So the blood becomes the substance. Grace becomes the evidence. And if we have a substance of faith that is coming through the blood and an evidence of grace that anything in the spiritual domain, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, can be apprehended by us by the appropriation of our faith. So what exactly is faith good for? Anything for which Jesus has completed an action and the Holy Spirit has been charged with executing a replication. Anything that is enclosed in the new covenant. Anything for which Jesus has promised that he would direct us into from his position as the man in the Godhead bodily. And any of the promises that are in him as yea and amen. So does God desire us to use faith for personal gain, personal wealth, personal influence? My friends, faith is a spiritual tool. Can any of these be applied to any of the four areas of which we've identified in statement number six? And I'll read them again. Anything that Jesus has done and the Holy Ghost has made a replication of in you, anything that is enclosed in the New Testament, anything for which Jesus has promised that he would direct us into from his position as the man in the Godhead bodily, and any of the promises that are yea and amen in him. So, can any of these be applied to the four areas which we've identified in statement number six? Can personal wealth, gain, and influence be applied? Is there wealth in the new covenant? Is there gain in the new covenant? Is there influence in the new covenant? Of course, all of these are found in the new covenant. But are these the purpose of the new covenant? If we cannot locate purpose for our faith, if we cannot locate attachment from the blood and grace in our faith, then we're operating in random faith. So what purpose must faith have? Well, faith, who was authored and finished by Jesus Christ, who was the faithful, loyal, trusted, and obedient Son of God, even unto death, who made this statement that we were to continue to do and to teach what he began to do and to teach. The author and the finisher has told us what our purpose of faith must be. The ministry, the continuance of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let's look for a minute at Mark chapter 11 verse 22 through 24. 
And Jesus answering unto them, Have faith in God. Many people have rendered that, have the faith of God, and say that the Greek identifies that as such. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive, and if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now watch this. The result of this, of all of that passage, is the operation of the faith of God. But the emphasis is not on verse 23 and 24. He said, when you stand praying, forgive. Here's the emphasis on how to use the faith of God. One will never express the faith of God with anything in your heart or on your mind that inhibits the personality from which faith is expressed. Now, this is why the attachment of faith to the blood and grace is the process by which God has established. Because if you try to use faith from any kind of a heart that has a motive that is unsatisfactory, has unforgiveness that is unsatisfactory, any of that, you will never be able to express the faith of God with any place in your heart or anything on your mind that inhibits the personality from which faith is expressed. Now, whose personality is faith expressed from? Well, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us that Jesus Christ was the author and the finisher of faith. He was single-minded in his loyalty, in his faithfulness, in his trust, and in his obedience. So when Jesus makes this statement, the first thing he is saying to us is, is not that we can have the faith of God. We are made in the image of God. And if you've listened to my Christmas message concerning the end from you, the beginning, you will understand how Jesus Christ, the second Adam, took back dominion for us as he came in a body. But now we're looking at faith from the perspective of the author and the finisher who has become the man in the Godhead bodily. And we're saying from the perspective of faith, there can be nothing in you that your father would look at and say, that's a spot, a, rem, a blemish, that is unholy, that is impure, that intent and that thought is not an acceptable intent and thought as he dissects who you are. So if we're going to use faith and use it correctly, we must have the blood. Why? We must have faith through the blood. Why is that? Because of the, the blood is the most powerful force in the universe. The blood will work into you and expose every shortcoming, every downfall, and every weakness. Search me, 
God, unload my heart today. Try me, O Savior. Cleanse my thoughts, I pray, and see if there be some sinful way in me. Cleanse me from every stain and make me Now, what's the genesis of that? Well, he is searching us, and he is describing and defining us, and he is looking into us, and our faith that is holding on to worldly motives can never become the faith of God because God has no worldly motive in him. So, the key to one praying In order to use faith effectively, the key is that he must be clean from the bondage of the things that require forgiveness. He must die to his flesh. He must be delivered from his sin nature. He must be able to worship in the tabernacle where the blood has been sprinkled with freedom, cleansed, pure, and refined. Now we're talking about a faith that can work. If there's anything that exposes the old nature, then you'll not operate in the faith of God. You must get yourself under the blood, my friend. This is imperative as it is the only means available to be able to function in faith that is faith from the perspective of God. Do not ever forget the author and the finisher of faith was Jesus Christ, who became the man in the Godhead bodily. That's why Paul said, the life that I now live, I live after the faith of the Son of God, Galatians 2.20. If you're unable to do so, then you're producing random faith that will not avail itself of the results that Jesus has promised to us in verse 23 and 24. Faith must operate from the freedom of a spirit that is acceptable. If not, faith becomes random. Now once established in the freedom of acceptance, faith can achieve things that will be absolutely supernatural. Otherwise, faith becomes an operation in the acquisition of things that serve to do no spiritual good, but simply feed the natural. So does God honor faith? Of course he does. Faith is the thing that pleases him. Of course he just honors it when it's expressed through the process that is designed for his approval. Faith will work when it comes through the blood. The blood activates grace. And grace can then be applied by the appropriation of faith into any, each, and every area of content in your life. Faith that pursues Jesus Christ, my friend. When faith 
is done by the divine process that has been approved by the Godhead. Then faith works. Faith that pursues Jesus. Faith that pursues the new covenant. Faith that pursues his position of dominion as Lord. Faith that operates in the promise of God that are inherent in his position there as Lord. Natural faith alienates this spiritual faith because it focuses on the wants, lusts, and desires of the individual. Causes the person to become a double-minded person whereby they pursue spiritual things from a natural perspective. This double-mindedness is not at all acceptable. The person who asks from the natural desire to consume the thing upon their lust are asking from a position where they are wavering in their thinking. They're attempting to use a spiritual thing to become a natural, to have a natural result. This person will be left frustrated and empty-handed. Let's look at this concept of giving because it is to be reproduced. What is the motive of giving? Is it to spread the gospel or is it the fattening of the wallet? Well, we'll come back to that next time when we pick this uh, teaching back up on the next podcast. I want to tell you today, Jesus Christ is Lord, my friend. And if you will come through the thing, through the blood that is speaking, we've only talked about one thing speaking so far. But if you'll come through the blood that is speaking and grace will be released, will be activated by that blood. Now access into any area. What did the scripture say? We would come into the throne room of God. The only way to get there is through the blood. And we would find grace and mercy to help in time of need. Anything that you're going through, living through, any place that you're going to go spiritually, you will only go because you have heard the blood speak. The blood will then activate grace on your behalf and from there the benefits of grace become so wide, so vast, so deep, and so real that your spiritual life and your natural life can be so influenced by what grace is doing that you can have the image of Jesus Christ to be birthed in you and grow in you and you can become strong in the Word of God, strong in the knowledge of Him, strong in the revelation of Him. Yeah, that's what grace will do. Now, how are you going to get into that grace? You're going to appropriate it by using your faith. You're simply going to say, I see grace as the answer to that, and I attach my faith to it. I've come through the blood. The blood's activated grace in that area. I see grace in that area as it's directed to me. Now that I recognize it, I'm going to put my faith on that grace. And that grace is going to heal me, going to deliver me, going to move on my behalf in whatever area that the blood has activated grace to be applied. And you will watch as God through your faith. Now that faith is going to have to operate through the blood because you will never have your inner man in the correct position to utilize faith if the blood is not completing its task in you. The blood is the most powerful thing the universe has ever known. If you will surrender to the work of the blood, 
then the blood will activate grace on your behalf and your faith will begin to obtain and attain things that you have only thought you had read about in someone else's book or in the Bible. Father, I pray that you'll minister to your people today, that you'll touch them and cause them to hear this. Cause the Word of God to go forward. Cause us to hear the blood speaking because the blood is our entrance into grace to be applied to our lives and faith is our means to appropriate it. Bless us now, I pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, find Him as Lord. There you're going to find Him as the man of dominion. Find Him as the man in the Godhead bodily and there you'll find Him as the man who will show you great and mighty things to come. May God bless you until we speak again.